if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Today's episode features my friend Dominic Cortuccio. Dom is the co-host of the Great Man Within podcast and author of On Purpose Leadership. In today's episode, Dom and I dive deep into porn, polarity, and performance. We discuss how to gain more confidence in the bedroom, what happens when you're addicted to sex, and so, so, so much more. I loved getting to have this conversation with Dom. He is one of my best friends up in New York. I did consider moving to New York whenever I was toying around with the idea of moving to Austin. Wound up choosing Austin because it feels a little bit more familiar to me. And we just thought more of our people might be down in Texas, even though I was really inspired and I was feeling the pull in New York and the um, sex tech industry there and how many people are involved in 
using air quotes, doing the work, especially when it comes to sex, love and relationships. I ultimately wound up choosing Austin, but I have a really cool tight knit community that is also in New York. Dominic is a part of it. And I've just absolutely loved getting to watch him grow and flourish in his men's work brand. He's absolutely next level. I met him several years ago at an event called A-Fest and we were in very different places in our life. And so we both actually watched each other blossom into the sex coach and the men's coach that we are today. And I think Dom is so wise and I love the, the inquisitive, curious mind he has. And I, I just love what he stands for when it comes to men doing the work. And I really hope that y'all enjoy our intimate conversation. Dominic Cortuccio, you respond with my whole stream of okay, my name. Yes. Alexa Martinez, Violet Butterfly, The Kaleidoscope, Anal Aficionado, Green <laughs> Team, and now That Sex Chick. <laughs> Everyone on the show today is one of my great friends. This is a good, but you're better than good. One of my amazing friends that I originally met at an A-Fest, which stands short for Awesomeness Fest. It's the, an event put on by Mind Valley and... We were on the green team together for the beach games and we won. And at that time, I was just getting started with my blog. It was called The Violet Butterfly. I don't know where anal aficionado came into the mix there. <laughs> but it was there. So you have these moments, like I've, I've had a chance to witness your journey in these iterations. So each mm-hmm. iteration extends the nickname. Um, and anal aficionado is kind of a flash, but it, it definitely deserved. But it space. works. I really yes. love alliteration. So I'm happy that it's in there. (laughs) And now that sex chick, you and I have been on a journey since we first met. I mean, of course the journey is way dates way before that, but that a fest, I mean, I talk about that event that I met you at. I talk about that one specifically as being when I left that I, I left a fest in Cancun and went straight in a couple of days later to a UPW. Mm-hmm. Unleash the power within with Tony Robbins. And life has literally, and I know he blasts that song, life will never be the same. Okay. Anyway, life has not been the same since then. And True. Uh, I know that for me, I mean, just witnessing you through social media and like our connections over the last, what, three and a half, a little over three and a half years. It's almost four years. It's almost because like it was November of 2016 that we met wow. at the, uh, at that A-Fest and we're recording this in, what is it? September, 2020. Wow. Yeah. Almost four years. That's incredible. Yeah. And so, so much has changed even since then, like that felt very pivotal. Okay. So life's not going to be the same again. And now four years later, here we are looking back around that time. I think I had just started coming out as I'm going to start talking about sex and I am this, you know, this person, because at that AFS, when I met you, I was still very much cruise ship crew member. I remember. And that was my thing. And I told that to people when they asked me, who, who are you and what do you do? But it came out at AFES that what I really do is I love to talk to people about very taboo subjects. I like to uh, normalize the profane and destigmatize and all of that. And I love talking to people about their relationships. Granted, four years ago, I was a little angry about it. 
Now mm. I'm softer. It's taken about four years to become this like more softer version of myself. Mm. And um, I remember many conversations with you that eventually led me. I don't. I I was not uh, any located in any particular location at that time. I think I was bouncing around just after that event. And at some point I wound up staying at your place. Yeah. And I think that was, was it around then that I came in and spoke to your guys? Yeah. You stayed at my place when I was traveling somewhere. Um, and I remember you like, you still, wrote, you wrote, I was in Australia. That's right. So I was gone for like 10 days or something like that. And you wrote these like beautiful affirmations on post-it notes around that, like, you know, around my apartment that I found when I would open cupboards or whatever. And it was just like, you are in the perfect position. Like, You've got everything. That you, there's one that's still up here. Like it's, it's called like you are in the perfect place. I left it up four years later uh, that I have a chance to see when I remove some of my favorite books from the bookshelf. But uh, yeah, I mean, well, I think what's really awesome about our journey, Alexa, is like when you and I met at A-Fest, you were one of the first people I met there. I still have like, there, there were pictures taken of us within the first like five minutes. And I, I still have one where you and I are looking at each other and you were in transition from the cruise ships, like ready to talk more about your journey through sexuality and normalizing. I had just left a 15 year career in corporate financial services, very high pressure, very conservative environment where like, you're not supposed to be talking about any of this stuff that, that, that we're going to be talking about today. And a big part of my, like big part of my hidden story that no one knew about for 15 years was like, I, I struggled with sexuality. I spent four years in Sex Addicts Anonymous, um, hit rock bottom. And on the surface, no one would have known. So you and I were both kind of like figuring out our way. And I thought it was really cool how we came together during that time, became really good friends. And hopefully some things will fall out in our conversation today about our interventions in each other's lives created really powerful moments of our own elevation and, evol and evolution. Like we've both been causes in each other's lives in really powerful ways. Yes. I like how you just breeze by Sex Addicts Anonymous for four years. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, just like a quick, like, you know, this is what I did. And I had an experience with that. And yeah, I definitely think that it was divine timing and divine intervention for us to come into each other's lives, yeah. considering what you were going through and stepping out of and into. Because I think you had just were about to go on this sabbatical or you had just, it exactly. had just happened. Yeah. 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 So I'd spent 15 years in financial services. I knew I wanted to leave to become a coach and author and a speaker. And I was trying to figure out like exactly what kind of coach, author, speaker I wanted to be, but I knew it was helping high-performing people live higher performing lives, right? Like to, to stop burnout, to stop living a life of stress and to, you know, to live a life that they loved. I knew that that was kind of the broad category. Um, and instead of going right from 15 years of working in one place and then starting the business, I took a 90-day sabbatical, traveled around the world, bought a one-way ticket, planned nothing, went and saw Hawaii, Thailand, Bali, New Zealand, Australia. And it was in Australia where I met a couple who told me about A-Fest. And they were like, just don't even question it, apply. So I went home, I applied. That's what brought me to A-Fest where I met you. And here we are today. <laughs> I love it so much. So did you know that you would be, like, did you have any inkling when you were making that transition out of this corporate financial gig and becoming an author and a speaker and all that, that you would wind up doing, is it right to say men's work? 
it is right to say men's work. I mean, the where I am today is I run a podcast called The Great Man Within Podcast with our boy Brian Stacy. He's a co-host. <laughs> um, I uh, used to run a live event series in New York City called The Discerning Dick: Sexual Wisdom for the Modern Man, which you know about. It's an open forum for men to talk openly about sexual issues. Uh, women were also a big part of those events. It was geared towards men, but women were great supporters. I run a mastermind called The Great Man Mastermind, where men are discovering and living the greatest version of themselves. They're working with me for the next year in community. And then I got a number of other things. But the, the, the main mission over my next 10 years, like this big North Star I've set is to help 10 million men get on the path of doing inner work to discover and live the best version of themselves. And the reason for that big lofty goal, it's not that like I need to accomplish that on my own, but it's also to, to band together with many other men who are already leading communities in these like fragmented ways. You know, I've got like my guys over here, other people have their guys over there. Can we bring this together that makes, me, that makes men's work cool to do, accessible, attractive, and not just a flash in the pan, like weekend thing or a book that someone reads in isolation, but like becomes lifestyle oriented, you know, just like someone would work out regularly. Um, we want that to be center to man's lives because you get 10 million guys doing that. There's a tectonic shift that happens in mm. businesses, communities, families, intergenerational trauma, you know, like all that stuff ha- like shifts. And I, I think like one of the biggest beneficiaries of that will be women because women are oftentimes the collateral damage of men who haven't done the inner work. Absolutely. And then the following generation. Sure. They said tectonic shift backwards and forwards. Yeah. That's incredible. So very different to financial corporate something, something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Quite a bit different. A big, a big transition. That's that good shit. I love it so much. I mean, having, having a partner that has, uh, it's made all the difference to, to come together with someone who was already on the path of doing their own inner work, who is receptive of um, just a different and, and more elevated conversation and way of navigating and way of relating. It is, it's fucking everything. And so many women come to me like wanting this like holy grail of sorts. Like they, they like want this from men or they'll say there's no men that that fit this category or something something like that or they see my relationship now with Jordan and they're like how do i find someone like that and like i am not unique i mean like to think i'm unique i'm a leo so i like to think that i am sparkly and unique but there was nothing necessarily special about me that sets me apart from anybody else that I would find this person and he would be attracted to me and we would come together except for us doing our own energetic work and our own deeper healing work so that we could be matches for each other. So I, I love, I love these conversations. I really, I really truly do. And I feel like Jordan and I are having them more and more um, because as we become more in the spotlight in social media, people are finding us going, how do we do what you do? Sure. You know, so um, he also runs, you know, his men's groups and does his programs too. And I very much love when the men in this space are bridging gaps. So for you, you are so much more tangible and accessible and available to someone who isn't, wouldn't say that they're on a path yet. 
You know what That's I mean? Right. Jordan's maybe a little bit further out because he's, sure. you know, because he is him. But even still with the whole conscious bro thing, it's like, I'm a bro. I was in a fraternity and Same. I am, so yeah. you know, oh, well, there you go. I don't know if he knows yeah. that, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you're talking, I think what you're hitting is on a big point here, Alexa, is like, is like I, I talk to the mainstream guys who sometimes bristle at the idea of going to a men's retreat because they think that everyone's wearing flannel, growing beards out and doing elephant walks. Like they're, 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 they're you know, crying on each other's shoulders. Mm-hmm. And by the way, a lot of that stuff is true at men's, at men's right. retreats. Like, a lot of that like, stuff is not, but like, yeah. but like, but, but like those, but, but, but not all. And, mm-hmm. and like Brian and I, Brian, Stacy and I, like we, we walked that mainstream path for a decade. You know, he went to, uh, Brian's my podcast partner on, on the great man within. He, he did Accenture corporate consulting for, for many years and wanted to be like an FBI agent. And I did 15 years of financial services working for Prudential Financial and an insurance company. So like, if, if, if anything's going to change in men's work, then the meat of the bell curve, which is like mainstream men, need to wake up. And our job is to bridge that gap. Um, and, and we love the guys who are further out there on the polls because like they've been there longer than we have. They have things to teach that we can't. They've dedicated their lives in many respects to this. And I'm only just waking up to this over the past decade. So like we all have a role to play here. And the more that we can identify ourselves and create that scaffolding, the game that we're playing now, Alexa, is can we create enough entry points for the diverse number of men? Because some men will come to inner work through their sexuality. Other men will come through like physical performance. Other men will come through mindfulness. Other men will come through financial independence. There's so many different entry points, um, but we need to be there so these like can capture that moment that mm-hmm. that guy is ready so that we can get him on the path, keep him on the path and have him feel supported. That's incredible. Yeah. I just like saw a bunch of people flash before my eyes, as you said that, like some people hit this, this point, or this is their entry point of that. And it's really interesting to say, even like financial independence. I know someone right now that's, they are in a position where they're just coming into, I have more money than I will ever need. Like generations behind me. Now what? Right. Like, it's like a, who am I existential crisis of like, now I, the, the thing that I've been told my whole life that I'm supposed to work for, that makes me valuable. That gives me purpose is to like make the money so that I can have the family, do the thing. And now I've achieved it. And I'm not even 35. Yeah. It's holy shit. Yeah. You who know, am I now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, and this question of like, well, what will I be? It's that to answer the, if you had all the money in the world, well, now this person has all the money in the world and what will they do? And it can be super depressive. I think it's kind of like, it reminds me, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, Eat, Pray, Love author. Any chance? Big Magic is one of my favorite And Big Magic. I love Big Magic. Oh, it's in Big Magic where she talks about how she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And then she's like getting ready to write whatever the next book is. And people were saying like, well, how does it feel to have your greatest work, the greatest work you'll ever create behind you? I remember that. Like short circuit, like what, what kind of pressure is that to like put on yourself or that? She didn't feel that way too. I remember, I think she wrote about like the kill the mockingbird to kill, I forget the author who wrote the to kill a mockingbird. It was like, Mm. wrote that one book and then wouldn't write a book ever again because it was just like, there's no way I could imagine living that life. Like thinking that way. It's just, yeah. That's incredible. So thank you. uh, If I don't get to say it for doing the work yourself so that you could help men and women alike, right? Even though you work intimately with men, I know that there's, I know that you have a large 
uh, female. And I don't know what your non-binary audience is like, but I imagine anyone who loves a man (laughs) also, (laughs) you know, put it that way. If they love a man, they're probably listening, um, and benefiting from the work that you and Brian do. So, um, I'm curious, you are happy to go into it a little bit about your journey to saying, I want to do this work in a professional capacity, or I want to hold these retreats or hold these, or, you know, create the podcast, that kind of stuff. And I would love like, maybe just a little bit of the back, you know, and usually I start a podcast with this, but we're just going to like interject in the middle, um, a little bit of what makes you, you. And I would love to touch on, you know, because this is a podcast for people who want to create epic sex and deeply fulfilling relationships. That's like my thing. Sure. Um, I think that piece about uh, the sex addiction that you mentioned, yeah. I think that's so, especially when you go to, to describe what that was like for you, that is so real for so many people. Yeah. And that's all people who love men and men themselves. So love totally. a, a little bit of that journey and beyond. Sweet. Okay. So this is all interconnected. And actually one of the, the main reasons why I've chosen to focus on working with men um, is in big part to my journey through Sex Addicts Anonymous. A big reason why I speak out publicly about Sex Addicts Anonymous, which is never my plan, has to do with the origins of your Facebook group, the sex group, right? Which, which used to be the, the kaleidoscope. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of like tie all this stuff together because that's, that's one of the reasons why I talked about how our, our lives have been so like interconnected in these beautiful ways. Um, so like kind of, if we were to go back 10 years ago, you know, Dominic at the age 30, 31 years of, of age was this guy working in a corporate environment who was pretty successful, you know, top sales guy in this like really large firm, youngest sales guy. And I built my life around the things I thought I wanted, like a lot of guys do. And I hit this pinnacle and it wasn't what i you know, it wasn't, it wasn't everything I thought. And when I started to project out my next 30 or 40 years of working, it scared the shit out of me to be like, oh my gosh, like this is as good as it gets. Um, I, and I don't know where else to go with my life because I, I don't want to feel this disconnected and bored. Now, behind the scenes, no one in the, in the, outside, like in the outside world, I was a guy who was a leader, guy with integrity, guy that you could count on. Um, someone who was like at the top of succession charts in corporate organizations, meaning like, you know, if, if like the, 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 the CEO or other people move on, you know, like I'm, I'm someone who's got potential for that. But then behind the scenes in my, in my shadow world, my private world, I, I had a compulsive sexual personality that was built up over decades of feeling ashamed about my sexuality. So if we go back to like my very first sexual experience as an eight-year-old digging around in my parents' basement, you know, like, cause that's where all the bodies are buried, like in the boxes and the dusty shelves. And, you know, I, like I just was rummaging and I, and I came across this Playboy magazine that apparently like someone had bought from my father as like his, like his 40th birthday gift. And I remember standing in my basement with the centerfold falling out and I felt electricity through my body because I saw a pair of boobies for the first time, right? You have, to, like, say, you have to say boobies because you're eight right now. Because that's how an eight-year-old thinks. It's probably also how a 41-year-old thinks, but like we say different <laughs> words now, hopefully. And I just remember being like, whoa. And then the next feeling beyond that was like, this is bad. Like, this is wrong. Um, because my parents, who are very loving, they're amazing humans. 
but like sexuality was something very uncomfortable for them in the household. Like a great example would be for watching a movie on TV and I'm eight years old in the family room and a woman's top comes off and they're kissing on screen. My parents would lunge across the couch and be like, no, and cover my eyes, right? So in my body, I felt like I want to see that. My body comes alive at the same time. I feel this big energetic sliming, this dark cloud. And for the next 10 minutes, the collective sphincter of the room tightened, you know, and it just, <laughs> it just felt awful. And so like at a very early age, this distinction between my natural feelings around sexuality and then what was taught by my parents, but then also what was taught from seven years of Catholic schooling, you're going to hell. I was an altar boy youth group, like any premarital. I was a very- lyrical dancer and a, and a scripture reader. I also so you got the same shit, right? Or like, you know, yeah. like your own shit, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so at very early age, like these really powerful feelings that I had, which were natural that like, you know, if, if I had a mentor or someone to be like, dude, this is welcome to this like huge life force that you have inside of you. It's strong, Luke, you know, use it for good. <laughs> Instead, I buried it and I created the private dominant. Mm. So this public dominant which was the version of me that allowed, that, that, that got me praise, that got me praise from teachers, from parents, from coaches, that got me love. And then this private Dominic that was like titillated and energized, you know, and like an electrified, like this is what I really wanted. Those two lives were then established. And then I built my next few decades off of that. And in that world of privacy, like that private dark world, was also how I navigated all of my emotions. Because I didn't learn how to feel emotion, express an emotion. Um, as a man, if I had emotions, I was a pussy. So like all of, all of the way that I numbed it out, and when I discovered masturbation, it was like this, you know, it was basically like this free pile of heroin sitting between my legs. And I just pulled on that crank as many times <laughs> as I could, you know? <laughs> So that, that was like, so anyway, I'll pause here after I just finish this next piece, which is for decades on the outside world, I kind of put out this, here's who you want me to be. My private world was like where I buried all this other stuff. And my relationship with sexuality always had a feeling of perversion. It always had a feeling of I'm wrong. It always had a feeling of sick, a sickness and secrecy, like my secret self. And the way that it all, those two lives came crashing down was when I've finally fallen in love with a woman for the first time in my life. I never thought I was capable of love. I'd heard people sing songs about love. I'd seen movies about love and I had this like intellectual concept of love, but I, because I'd, I'd been so bifurcated, like no one could ever get close enough to, to, to like know the real me, but this one woman did. And the deeper in love I fell with her, the more scared I got that she would get to this private world. And so I almost like pushed her away and I started stepping out on her and she caught me. And it was in that time that she caught me that my worlds collapsed. The private public Dominic were now exposed. And that was the first time that I, uh, I confronted this, 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 um, how far I'd strayed in my aligned life. And, and that was the birth. And I, and I forever give her credit for, 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 for um, giving me the gift of like that old version of me dying because the new aligned version of me wanted to emerge. 
And so then Sex Addicts Anonymous, is it S A? A. Oh, just two A's. Okay. I don't know why I wanted to give it like a couple more A's. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. S triple A's you want. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So how did that come about? Was it, you know, you're just like, oh, well, I think I have an issue. So go here. Yes. So leading up to, she, she discovered me on December 28th of 2012, right? Like I remember the day was, we, we, we flied, we flew to Boulder, Colorado. She, she looked at my phone when I was in the bathroom and that was the day of my new, my death and new beginning. Right. Um, before that, I recognized that there were some problems in my life. Like there were behaviors in every area of my life. I had integrity. I had discipline. If I said I was going to do something, I would do it. I said I was going to stop doing something. I could stop it. When it came to like watching porn or sexting women, I would set these lines and then I would constantly like steamroll my own line, like my own standards. Mm-hmm. I would constantly break my own promises to myself. It was the only area in my life where that happened. So I went online and I took these like sex addiction quizzes. And there were some things in those quizzes that were like spot on me, you know, like traveling in an inordinate distance just to secure sex, like these kinds of things. But then there were so many questions that were like, no fucking way am I that, you know, like I'm not, because like, in sex addicts, like you have a whole blanket of, maybe people who have compulsive porn behaviors to people who are exposing themselves to kids or people who are, you know, sex abusers, like sex offenders. And I'm like, I don't want any part of that label. So like it it prevented me from actually going down the path. But when she discovered me on December 28th of 2012, my my Hail Mary pass to save that relationship was to say, I'm going to go into therapy and I'm going to go to 12-step meetings to save the relationship, not even necessarily to think that like, they're like, I had that much of an issue. It took me like 90 days of individual therapy, group therapy, 12-step programming, working with a sponsor before I took it seriously for myself and realized how deep my issues ran. And mm-hmm. I would have told you, Alexa, that I was a really self-aware guy. I prided myself on that. I had no clue how far up my ass my head was. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately, I had some beautiful people to help me un, you know, unplug. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that's what began my journey, my four-year journey of right-sizing through Sex Addicts Anonymous. Mm. That's deep. And like I said, so real for so many people. I got to a point in a relationship where I just was not surprised anymore. Like that it was as if all of his transgressions really wanted to slap me in the face. I wasn't even trying to see them anymore. And it was just like adult friend finder and Ashley Madison. And, and you're, you're speaking to it and saying like, how deep, like, this is what you, you are masking or like coping with this part of your life. But like what was underneath it, like you've built all of this stuff, but the foundation is crumbling. Yep. You know, yep. and then on December 28th moment, it's like, oh shit, there it went. Like it finally had its last crack before some of the the pillars started to shake as well. And so. it needed it. Like I like on on, you know, if, if you're into the energetics of things, like I, I I wanted that. Like I wanted, I no longer wanted to be bifurcated. I want alignment. And you know, one of the things that I found in telling my story, which I was surprised about, is so many men who are not 
addicts. They're not compulsive. Like they, they don't have the same kind of compulsions that I did or a level of secrecy that I did can very much relate to the public and private version of themselves. You know, like that secret self that likes the porn that they'd be ashamed if anyone else knew about or like has that sexual kink that yeah. they're afraid to tell their partner because they either feel like they'll be judged or they've mm-hmm. been judged in the past. And so they'll go and pay for it or step out and do it with someone else. Like, you know, the compartmentalization of sex lives. So I, I had really had no idea um, how, how validating my story would be to what I would call a civilian, someone who's like not, who's never been through a 12 step program like that. You say civilian, we joke and say muggle. Oh, I've heard that term twice now. Muggle. Who the like hell a, an everyday person, not, not magical, not aware, not on the path. I don't know who told you, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's Harry Potter. Yeah. 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 Someone just, Oh, Oh, you know who told me about that page? I met Paige Trinaman um, in, in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I went through Salt Lake City. She, she told me muggle. That's what it oh was. Oh my and, goodness. And How did she You not... train her, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She mentioned muggle. That, that's why. Yes, okay. I did. I, she didn't even message that, um, that she connected with you there. Yeah. I, I, I didn't message you because I knew we were doing this today. So. Oh, well, great. I love that. So I'll have to tell her that she needs to listen to the show. Those of you that are listening. Paige Trenneman um, or Paige Kimball. She's in Salt Lake City in Utah. She is someone who's been through a lot of my programs. She's been the chef at one of my retreats and been an attendee at two of my retreats. And she is a sex coach, previous Mormon. And so yeah. the shame and the programming runs real deep. And so she's, she's come full on into her own after 40 and with many children. And she's just such a light in the world. And so if you're in that area, Hit page up. She's fifty. She's over fifty. I think she's fifty now, and yeah, we celebrated she's 50 that. Now. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's um, fifty now. But like the whole coming awesome. into her own thing is like after kids and after forty. It's yeah. like miraculous. But anyway, yeah, maybe I'll we'll have to get Paige on the show to have that conversation because that is just a fascinating story. I think my oh Catholic and I went to Catholic school and I went to Catholic college and I was a lyr. I didn't dance lyrical and did all these things. That is nothing compared like being to Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. The conversation woman. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. if this was a competition, y'all win <laughs> <laughs> at least in the States. But anyway, so back to your story, this whole sex, um, addicts anonymous deal, how I want to jump to the question of like, how do you feel about that now? I don't know if that is like the appropriate next question because I feel like I might be skipping some stuff, but I, I do want to know how you feel about it now. Maybe that you'll, you can shed a little bit of light on what the journey was like in changing your mind to a degree. Yeah. So I no longer identify as a sex addict. Uh, 2013, 2017 was where I spent my four years there. And like, you know, you and I have talked about it, you know, even before we started recording today, you were one of the more instrumental people in helping me to challenge my identity. Um, I had been so deeply identified with being a sex addict. You know, one of the, so, so the 12 step program is an amazing program for people to help you stop the spiral, to help you stop bottoming out. It provided me stability. It was the first place I'd ever gone where I was surrounded by men who weren't competing with me, but were compassionate with me, relating to me. So there was like amazing, extraordinary benefits that I experienced in Sex Addicts Anonymous. Having said that, one of the things that I found after spending a few years in the program was when I looked around at some of like the elder statesmen, you know, like people who had been in the 12-step program for years, I didn't find a lot of guys 
who really seemed to have a super healthy relationship with their sexuality. It seemed like there was always like a problem frame. You know, they viewed their, their sexuality through the lens of like some negativity. And I didn't see a lot of guys who had been in like the program for 10 or 15 years who were like vibrant. I couldn't, I, I, there was no one for me to look up to. Um, but one of the things you, you affirm at the beginning of every one of the meetings is, I'm Dominic, I'm a sex addict. And like you hear a lot of language that like you will be an addict for life. And I I'd be, I'd bought to that. I believed that, like that this was going to be something that I was going to carry with me forever and then had to manage. And I remember when like you and I met in 2016 and I probably shared with you at the end of 16 or into early 17 that like I was in the recovery program. You were like, sex addict? Like, I don't know if like, if, if that label is becoming of you, like I don't experience you in that way and I don't know. And I remember being resistant to your pushback on that. I'm like, well, you don't understand, you know, like in my mind. Yeah. And at that time I was a little bit more aggressive with my opinions. And, and you know what? I'm glad you were because yeah. like you were one of the people, there were a few people in my life who kind of needed to chip away. It's like a stone cutter. Like you have to bang on that anvil a few, you know, bang on that a few different times for it to actually chip away. And eventually in 2017, I was like, entertain this concept. It, and the other part of it, Alexa, was your community. You know, at the time it was the Kaleidoscope, now it's that sex group. Like I started to see how many people had this amazingly healthy, vibrant, open, transparent relationship with their sexuality. And I'd see these people like posting in the Facebook group, talking about their sexual adventures and misadventures, asking questions, getting advice. And I'm like, what the fuck am I missing? Why is every conversation I have around my sexuality, either some bottom line behavior or like, you know, I watched porn and I, you know, now I'm like repenting for it. It was like, I, like I was seeing an entirely different model that I'd never been exposed to before. So I started gravitating more towards your community, which was also where like I started to speak and ask questions about like, hey, my libido's changing. It used to be like super strong and I'm feeling something different. And I got all this great feedback and guidance. And when that started to happen, that was what precipitated me talking openly about sex. Like your group was where I got the courage to start the Discerning Dick, the live event series in New York. I'm like, thanks to all of you people who gave me this great <laughs> encouragement and advice. I'm gonna start this thing, which then led to the podcast which then led to me speaking specifically to men and doing this men's work. And that's what I'm talking about with like your path and my path really being intertwined. Like your group gave me a model for healthy sexuality and to feel safe talking about it because you do an excellent job of curating that environment and weeding out all the other bullshit. Um, and, and then giving me the courage to speak out openly uh, about it and, and helping you know, so many men as a result of it. So I will tell you many, many more times, thank you for your role in my life and, and allowing me to evolve. Oh my gosh, just cue heart explosion <laughs> all over the goddamn office. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really, really, really special. Thank you for sharing all of that and reminding me of those, that early time. You know, it's not that long ago, but it feels like eons ago uh, yeah. as I sit here considering like what my life is like now and hearing all of the amazing things that you have built and that's in your life as well. It's just like, it's, 
life is confusing and joyful and just like a shit show and it's like beautiful miracle. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's the full range. Totally. So um, you know, with the whole sex addicts anonymous thing, what it sounds like is the thing that you the things that you felt like were missing or maybe you, you didn't even recognize that it was missing per se, but just didn't feel that great about that. Uh, coupled with or or maybe it sparked something like seeing my group and how it operates how the community members could like how they talk to each other and how I navigate that with them helped in a way spark a fire, light a fire in you that creates the environment for so many, not, I mean, so many men in this case to, it's like you gave the, the AA kind of community, the sex addicts anonymous community, you took the, what was good of it and yeah. coupled it with the things that you saw from this other space yeah. and then created this environment of you don't have to, like it, it can be for everyone. You know yeah. what I mean? Because totally. that's definitely a thing. It's like, oh, well, I'm not a degenerate and I'm not wasting money. I'm not like blowing all my money off at, at um, on prostitutes or sex workers or in strip clubs or something like that. Uh, and I can see how a lot of men would avoid going into something like SAA. I got it right that time. <laughs> I don't know why that's that. right. They would yeah. avoid it because it's like, well, I'm not that, so I'm good. When really all that's present, strip away the Sex Addicts Anonymous, strip away all that stuff, it's men who are hurting or who can't access the hurt. Yeah. It's like, I'm not even, like, not even that I'm hurting. I don't even know. Yeah, that's that's a bigger one. It's like I don't even know, right? And and like you know, so so that's why we we like to ask these like super innocuous questions, like, "Hey, have you ever finished watching porn and felt a little bit gross about yourself?" And like every guy, there's not a single guy who's not like, "Yeah," you know, like it's like every guy has felt a little yeah. or really gross about like what they've just done with porn, and they and they kind of scratch their heads, like, "Well, why do I do that? Why do I keep going back to it?" And they typically don't have guys in their life where they can have like a thoughtful conversation about that, yeah. you know, like where someone can help them process it. Um, and so like, we like to do podcast episodes on that. We like to create men's group conversations around that where guys can, I think, I think I've heard Jordan say this many times, you know, like create a safe space to not play it safe, you know, just like, okay, the, safe, the space is safe. And then like, just say the shit that you want to say that you may feel that you would either get judged for or me too'd for like in here, we'll say this stuff so we can clean it up and make you ready for, you know, public consumption. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. yeah. So since then, I think that you have given yourself permission to have a lot of conversations that you would not have allowed yourself to have otherwise, because I know that this is men's work. Sure. And a part of that has been like, I was on your podcast. You and Brian had me on the inner work. Nope. Do great things. Uh, no, the gr great man, the within. man within podcast. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> Today I just, <laughs> I've eaten lunch. And so as soon as I eat food, especially if it has any carb in it, I am just not as bright. I know what you mean. Yeah. I like, I'm a faster. And so it's like, if I'm going to do a logical thing, it needs to happen before two o'clock in the afternoon. I get that. I so, I'm so with that. So, um, anyway, I was on y'all show 
And I remember that was shortly after you had the people who wrote Wild Power on. So like oh, the Red School. Part yeah. of yeah, part of part of this conversation and like being great men and healthy sexuality is I think the relationship with women. So it's how I look at my body, how I interact with my body. And so it's not the porn that feels gross, it's your relationship to the porn that allows for it to feel gross. And right. I like talk to Jordan. I'll swing it back to Wild Power after this and, and your conversation with them because I think that that's fascinating. And I would love for more men to have conversations about periods. Anyway, that is how you win. Talk about periods totally. and you will win at life. It is that so true. <laughs> simple. I need to put it on a meme or a graphic. But anyway, Jordan, he does this thing um, or he did this thing when we were first getting together and, and he did this before we were together. And it was like, uh, something I don't want you to know about me is. Oh, yeah. And he would have all these like authentic relating kind of questions and prompts. And he would do these live streams on Facebook and all this. And um, we were together at this time. And I think we were living in New Orleans and he was traveling for Bulletproof and he got onto Insta stories. And, and so I was at home in, in New Orleans and he was away. And he got on Insta stories and he was like, so talks, talks about shame, talks about like, um, the importance of sharing and vulnerability and all of this. And he says, so let's play, let's play a game today. Something I don't want you to know about me is. And he asked his Instagram following to respond. And so they started responding and telling me, telling him things, you know, something I don't want you to know about me is I dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. It was all over the map. But he shared first. He's like, to kick us off, I'm going to tell you mine. I think something I know at, what his is because I, I remember. I mean, I know he's played this game before, but let me see if it's if it's the one I remember. Yeah, something I don't want you to know about me is that I watched porn last. I masturbated to porn last night. Okay. And I'm watching this, and my <laughs> first response because he hasn't talked to me about it. I'm like, sure, my okay. first response is, "Did you fucking pay for that?" <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, "How dare you? Am I not enough? You're hiding." It was like, just totally different. Let's yeah. start with, "Did you pay for it?" Because yeah. you value what you pay for, and that hopefully for a lot of people creates intention and presence with what they are putting their energy, the money in, you know, in that direction. And so I started there with him and I was like, he called me later in the day. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? How's your day? All the things. And then I go, so I don't, I want to talk to you about something. And he knew that it was going to be the porn (laughs) thing. However, he'd never been with someone that didn't in some way, shame him, shame him. Right. Right. And I was like, I think it's amazing. Self-pleasure is awesome. And I want you to feel good. And I, I shared some of that, but then I was like, did you pay for it? And he was like, well, no. And then it opened that conversation. Totally. And I said, you have a platform where you are talking to people and you're sharing this thing. And so what you did was create an environment where you could offload something so that you didn't feel guilty about it anymore. And all of that was contained within you. And then you shared it so that you could feel better. Now let's talk about what's underneath that. Why did you feel that in the first place? What is your relationship like with this in the first place? So it's like, if you're going to do it, how do you set yourself up for in feeling empowered, purchasing the porn and masturbating to the porn and all the way to the end so that there isn't that gross, heavy feeling. Yes. Where it's like, I just, you know, incorporate your breath work in it, incorporate intention right. setting. Or if it's like, I just need a stress relief right now or set yourself up so that you know what you're going into and it doesn't leave you feeling gross. Completed, AF. Gross. Yeah, exactly. 
like bringing that element of intention. And so I was like on your platform, basically what you shared at that time was I'm feeling shame and guilt and I want to offload it. So this is what vulnerability looks like. I Mm. said, now let's add another layer to that with here's what I'm doing about it. Nice. So then he, I remember he wrote a post after that and was like, so here's the steps that I'm going to take so that I ensure that I'm going to essentially make the, get the most out of my porn usage. <laughs> Cause it's like, if you're going to use it every now and then, then you might as well get, get a great experience from it. Out of your wank session for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So I found that was a very relevant story there. I don't know if, did, do you remember when all this was going down? Like social media? I don't remember that. There was, there was a different one. There was a different game that he played that I remember, but like on this one, cause it's so important, especially for men. I think a few things that you said, so many men's only experience with porn with their partner, with their feminine partner is, is, is shame and guilt. I, I will never forget Alexa. There was this time I was in Philadelphia. This is like 15 years ago. I was staying at this hotel. I get off the elevator and at the very end of the hallway where my, my room is, I hear a woman screaming, like eviscerating somebody. And as I got closer, all I heard her doing, well, everything I heard was, you think this is what beauty is? You have all these pictures of women fucking and these big fake tits and these young, say something for yourself. You're disgusting. Say something. And then when he started, when he tried to defend himself, she'd be like, shut the fuck up. And like, she just destroyed this dude. Cause I guess she had found his secret stash of porn on his computer. Now she probably felt betrayed she probably felt like these women embodied some sort of beauty that like she doesn't have. And it was in Devin her, there was like a whole bunch of stuff going on and I can understand both sides of it, but most guys, men, and I don't say most guys, many guys have that experience of porn is wrong. Uh, there's something wrong with the relationship or there's something wrong with the woman. If you want to engage in porn and you jerk off to it. So it's gotta be this secret thing. And then it never gets talked about. And then that like creates that private secret self. So I think like awesome for you to create that environment for him where like it's cool. And it's, it's so true. Most guys, and I, and I will be very, like I'm very confident that most guys have no conscious strategy with respect to porn. Like when I say conscious strategy, it's before you sit down and log on, uh, do you know why, like what you're getting after here? Do you know the source of porn? Like this is, you know, years ago, I didn't care where I bought my, my meat, but now I care if it's grass fed and organic, right? Like I care about what the, the animal, how the animals are treated. Exactly. I care about the sourcing of my clothing products. I don't want child labor. The same thing happens. Like when I started watching documentaries like Hot Girls Wanted, mm-hmm. Lisa Ann, who's one of the top 10 most downloaded porn stars in the world, she's a friend of mine and she's been on the podcast a couple of times. Like she gave us a behind the scenes look of what the hell happens in the porn world. She spent 25 years in that arena. And she showed me some of the disgusting things that happened to the women who are just chewed up and spit out by the industry, which really caused me to to, to ask the question of, where is the grass-fed, organic, free-range porn that I can consume and feel good about knowing that like the actresses who I choose to watch have consented? And there's two porn sites. One is called Lustery. Which I really like. Lustry is mm-hmm. amateurs. Lust. What's that? It's Erica. It's a branch off of Erica Lust stuff, right? Or no? Lustry is different. No. Um, so that's X Confessions. Just kidding. Ah, yeah, that's X. That's, that's Erica. Then there's one other that Lisa Ann sent me. I'm forgetting the name, but um, I'll send it to you afterwards. It's women 
actresses get to choose their, their, their fantasy and the actor slash actresses that they want to work with. And, okay. and it's paid for porn. So like it's, it's all their choice. And so when I, when I, like I very rarely watch porn anymore, but when I do, I feel good. Like I feel right. clean. I feel aligned afterwards. I don't feel like I need to say the rosary. Not that I say the rosary ever, <laughs> but like if I, you know, if I, if I were, right. you know, metaphorically Christian, speaking, metaphorically yeah. speaking, I, yeah. And I feel I'm like, all right, this is very different yeah. than how I used to feel. Absolutely. Where I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to look at porn. Like I have this moment where I'm like, I'm going to put on some music. I'm going to go get this thing, you know, because there were other times where I'm like, whoa, I'm feeling big energy in my body and I mm. need some kind of outlet or like for me, uh, because women also masturbate to porn. Yeah. <gasps> I like saying dun, dun, dun. that, like so many men probably think like for the ladies that ever barked at their men, please. Have you ever read an erotic novel? Like we're basically creating it in our imagination, but men don't oftentimes know that that's what's happening. You think, oh, that's a pretty cover on a book, you know, (laughs) you know, fantasizing too. Anyway, so the times when think about, yeah, the, before this, the surge of like, I think I want to watch some porn. It's like, it's kind of like this manic thing where I'm like, I'm going to do that. And just like, go get the phone or go get the computer and do the thing. And it like happens so fast. And just like, I know many people that I've spoken to many men that I, that I've spoken to that they'll like fast forward to like this particular part is like, well, this like warm up, taking the clothes off. I know, I know what that's like. So fast forward, uh, the blowjob part. I'm not so interested in like, now he's going down on her. Let's just get (laughs) it. You know? Okay. Yeah. His face is between her legs. Can't even see anything there. And so like, Oh, well there's her asshole. So I'm going to look at that for a second straight to like aggressive in and out sex. Right. Vaginal penetration, like to the point of orgasm, it happens so fast. And I think so many men also like it's, we live in a very fast paced, technologically advanced ing world. And just think about it. You just fast forward for so many people, they fast forward all the way to the thing. Like no wonder so many people come so fast when it comes to like the actual act, you're literally training yourself to come very fast to come fast and also to be desensitized and to undervalue like the, the nuance, yeah. you know, and this is one of the things a lot of guys like, so, so one, of, we did this one episode very early on called like the five stages a man has with his relationship to porn. That was recent. And like one of the stages is drifting and drifting mm. is this like, like think about the porn you watch now versus the porn you watched a year ago. Is it like that much more extreme? Do you have to cut to like the last five minutes where those extreme moments are happening? For you to get aroused, you know, because like you've, you've missed the other part. When I, one of the things that, that like I, I, I treasure my Sex Addicts Anonymous experience for is I spent four years off of porn and I took four years off of masturbation, like four years off of both of those. That's a whole other story in of itself. Mm-hmm. But when I stopped watching porn and I was trying to rebuild my relationship with my, my partner, the one who discovered me cheating, once I was off of porn for a while, those little things like smelling the scent of her skin. Like when she touched my body, feeling the electricity of her fingertips on mine, the way her hair fell on the pillow or down like her back, like those little things that were so beautiful about her and the sensuality and the build, I could feel those and sense those again. Whereas when I was just like deep into the porn world, 
It was like, could her leg twist behind her head? Could she say some dirty, disgusting thing to like, you know, it had to be so extreme. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't extreme enough, then I'd be playing that porn scenario in my mind mm-hmm. to help me get to that place versus now I could just be with her right. and her body and her smell and her moans and her, and, right. and, and since then that the level of intimacy that I've been able to curate with my partners, um, that's, that's way better than anything I've ever experienced through some 30 second wank session. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I think that there is a place personally, I think there's a place for all of these ways to getting off. Totally. And it's again, your relationship with yourself and your relationship with the thing that you're interacting with. And so whether that's self-pleasure and you're watching porn or not watching porn, or you're looking at something and or not looking at something, because I like to stare right at a hundred dollar bill while I orgasm. So like if abundance manifesting? Yes. Nice. I do. Nice. I haven't done it recently, but I mean I, I look at it in my mind. I'm like in the house, I'm in the energy of like what I want. And that's like a whole sex magic conversation of like what is cultivating um, you know, like what is it, chapter 13 and think and grow rich and the sexual energy and all of that. And so like being a little bit more uh present with it and cultivating ritual and experiences. That's something Jordan and I have leaned really, um, really heavy into. And it, it gets to look all kinds of colorful as we continue oh, that yeah. because it started it starts off with can I orgasm to something that's not a a, a clip of porn in my mind? Can mm-hmm. I orgasm to something that's not Uh, a previous romp session with maybe with this partner or maybe with a different partner, you know, can I orgasm or like get to the point of usually I can get really turned on leading up to the point of orgasm, but what is required in order to like actually get over the edge. Yeah. And it has been really lovely over the last, I don't know how many years. I think it started with, I thinking of myself and being with myself can get me to the point of orgasm to, I can think of anything. That's and orgasm to it. You can do that, really. Uh huh. And like, mm-hmm, like a cold brew, matcha latte. I mean, like, I guess it depends on how much I'm fiending for caffeine, but I don't want to give that that energy. Ah, okay. So it's more like, where am I directing that? So it's like less of a party trick, more of a, <laughs> what do I want to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a pretty what, cool party trick. <laughs> what do I want? I mean, I probably could, if I think about like, oh, I've just been handed my matcha latte, it's iced from Starbucks or whatever. And like the, the like drip of the condensation on the outside and the swirl of the, anyway. I, pro- well, I just pictured you on stage at like, you know, improv, they're like, shout out, like what you want us to do the next get on. And you know, people are just shouting shit at you. You're like, I'm going to orgasm to a unicycle. Exactly. <laughs> No, but it's more like, what would I like to infuse that strong, potent, creative energy with? Mm. What thought, what future memory would I like to recall in this Mm. present moment and just have this particular energy uh, permeate in and around it? And Jordan and I, um, we've been playing with, we'll set intention before we go into it. This is a particular day of the week that we do this particular practice. And I have a whole solo episode where I do a step-by-step with sex magic simplified. So like people can have this practice because if you listen to people like Jamie wheel, there's there's a Jamie wheel, Kyle Kingsbury podcast where he goes way into sex magic towards the end of it. And he is like full on talking about GHB and nitrous oxide and 
just like all kinds of craziness. And like, so people go hard with their sex magic practices. I wouldn't cool. say start out with that. However, you can start with like what Jordan and I um, play with is we set an intention and we write in our journals and we talk about what we want to cultivate and bring into our lives and in our relationship. And I will be on the verge of orgasm and he will start telling me what I, my intention was. Ooh. He'll start whispering that in my ear. He'll he'll start saying, uh, you know, as I'm getting clearly, he can tell when I'm getting even more, you know, close to that edge or turned on. He'll say, "What's around me?" Or you've, you know, I like bring all of the things that I want back into the into focus, whether that's power or courage, bravery or softness, or it could be a lot of different things. And, And a lot of times it it has abundance because what's available in our lives is, you know, we, we know that abundance is a necessary part of that. So. Yeah. And Alexa, so is, is what you're talking about, you know, I've, I've heard about the power of orgasmic abundance for women and then like the, you know, combining orgasm with manifestation. Can you, can you maybe give like an entry level explanation of how that works to someone who's an inquiring mind? Yeah. So everyone, welcome to the Great Man Within podcast. Your host, Dominic (laughs) We've now shifted gears and we're going into the second hour of this episode. Yeah. So how it, how it works as far as like how to do it or what's that? Not not so much. Like, like, I I guess like, so, so why is it when you combine an orgasm with like the, what you want to cultivate in your life, these, the, the life, these future memories, right? Like so, mm-hmm. so financial abundance or mm-hmm. courage, safety, security. Why is it that like when the orgasm comes together with those intentions that it, it, it brings more power and, and, uh, and manifestation? Into the world? Well, I'm not going to give you anything scientific. I don't need the, scientific. Like yeah, what's just, about to come out of my yeah. mouth is like purely spending a lot of time in conversation and working with, uh, taunt people who practice tantra uh, but i know like if you go on instagram that's like so trendy for tantricas to be you know like mcdonald's they're just on every corner but so people who are i very much respect and have been in the work and have done the work that is required in order to really hold container for people to be going into tantra because tantra is not just like i want to have on a very base level, breath, sound, movement. I get that from Lori Handlers. You have breath, sound, movement, presence, tantra is happening. Like that's yeah. the, the essence of it is the cultivating that presence. When I say like the people who have done the work uh, and I'm talking about tantra as a practice, it's like, it isn't always fun. It isn't always comfortable. And it's not necessarily about sex or pleasure. It is a practice for self-realizing. And so mm. there are times when I show up for uh, our ritual and I am not in the mood. Mm. However, it's like going to the yoga mat. This is where I practice. Mm. And I mm. am practicing harnessing and cultivating this energy like I would practice harnessing or cultivating any other kind of energy or meditating or focusing on wow. something or getting a task done. And so I am calling, to, you know, I do have sex for the sake of pleasure and sex. Sex is awesome and fun and there's so many benefits to it. But there are particular practices in my life where I am desiring to call forward what creates life, the force that creates everything that is around me and what I've created in my world 
to a degree, like I could say, like everything that is around me is due to this like creative force force within me. Um, and the same like uh, exulting feeling that I feel like when I write a really good piece or I do a really awesome podcast or like put this or I, or I go into flow for a moment. It's like, it's elusive at times. And so yeah. these different things. And so when I think of sex magic, I think of cultivating this creative energy where I am being very present with what that is instead of having that energy go towards, like I said, a porn clip or a kinky thing or whatever, where it's like, I keep it within my body and I, I breathe through it, make sounds with it. And then I start to pull into like the energy and essence of what success or where I want to be in life and bringing those things together. So like my ultimate potent creative life force energy, like what literally could make another human partnering that with what my desires are yeah, and essentially helping me to birth that into the world. And my life looks different. Is it because I've been orgasming to my dreams for the last several years? I don't know, but my life looks <laughs> real good. Yeah, yeah, it does. So even if it's the placebo effect, I am here for it. My orgasms are why I have success. <laughs> like that just sounds better. <laughs> I'll tell you, I mean, that, that, like, that, that, that's a really perspective shifting and expanding um, way, way of viewing things. Cause like I've always, I've, 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 like sex for me has always been like, okay, I'm going to enjoy it for pleasure, intimacy, connection. Never have I thought about like a practice of sex for manifestation. You know, like, and then the analogy you gave yes. is like, you know, this is, you know, sometimes I don't want to do this just like I don't want to do yoga, but this is where I bring my practice. And that, that's causing me to really think much more deeply and expansively about how I cultivate my own sexual relationship. One, one, one interesting thing, and this is really timely you bring this up, is for our podcast, we had this group reach out to us called um, The Phoenix. So The Phoenix is the first at-home sonic wave device, like so that you could blast your dick with sound wave. To break apart, like to break apart, like th- th- there's been this, th- there's been, there's been this technology for a decade called, I think, Gaines Wave mm-hmm. that men go to in like a studio to, to right to, to help with erectile dysfunction, right? Either to, well, so like a part of it is to help with erectile dysfunction, yeah. but like I guess the new, the new positioning is performance too, like enhancement, like like go to the gym for your dick, like before there's an issue, right? Like we, you know, there's very small blood vessels in your body. As you get older, the blood flow just doesn't you know, maintain strength. There's plaque buildup in those blood vessels and the sonic sound wave blasts through it and then helps you to increase blood flow naturally so you don't have to get on pills for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So they sent, they sent Brian and I these devices, which oh we're now using God. in advance of like an episode we're going to do with them. So for the past like few weeks, I've been blasting my dick with these sound waves. I've been pumping my dick with a dick pump, like which I've never used before. And I'm now spending more time with my dick in a non-sexual way than I ever have in my life. Because usually when my dick's coming out, it's either to take a piss or to do something sexual. And so now I'm like blasting it or pumping it. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, this is not a sexual thing, but I feel like I'm tending. It's like like a practice for me mm-hmm. tending to my sexual health and well-being, which has opened me up to this, like what you're talking about in yeah. a whole different way. There's so many realms mm-hmm. that have yet to be discovered of my sexuality that, that it may, it's exciting now to know there's that much more. It's a rabbit hole that goes 
real deep, like real, real deep. Oh, I bet it's good. And I am, I'm happy that you are dancing around the edge of it. You know, it's it's just a little bit of blasting and pumping of a dick. Now it's (laughs) like, what else can I do with my dick? That's not sexual. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Other than like an occasional helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) I said to Brian. Yeah. Uh, like Brian, I said, Brian, like I talked to him this morning. I'm like, hey, Brian, did you blast and di- did you blast and pump yesterday? He's like, oh, I didn't do either. I'm like, I blasted and pumped. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. And that whole uh, presence thing. Um, and, you know, before we even hit go, you were like, how long do you think this is going to be? I was like, you know what? I want us to be like 45 minutes or yeah, less. Where are we? Yeah. We're at about an hour. Uh, so, so we are going to wrap up here very soon, but just to, to like kind of put more or less a bow on the blast and pump. No, the <laughs> ritual, the energy, and like doing other things that are not sexual with your genitals. I mean, my hands do all kinds of things other than like feed me and build things. Like they do all kinds of stuff. So like body parts do different things. You can let your vulva, let your penis, whatever your combination of genitalia is, have different relationships, do different things yeah. with them. But anyway. Jordan, as an example, uh, as a rule, a general rule of thumb is that if it is before, if it is before evening, he will not ejaculate. So he will be with me for the whole practice of like my orgasm or a couple of orgasms for me. And he will circulate. It is not his favorite thing to do, but he does it anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so like when I'm like, well, I've got resistance. He's like, well, you know, he just wants to have sex. He doesn't even care if he's going to get, it's like, he'll deal with the, I'm not going to ejaculate when, you know, he'll cross that bridge when it's like time. <laughs> sure. Sure. And I got to remind him sometimes, but he will, um, cultivate that energy, have it run through him too. And then come up to the edge a few times and he'll make sure that I have a couple of orgasms and then we will part ways. Okay. So okay. if it is t- late in the afternoon slash early evening, then he's like a kid in a candy store. He's like, I'm busting. You know, <laughs> so ridiculous. I'm busting. <laughs> <laughs> You're so ridiculous. Or like I say, are you going to, um, are you going to come or are you going to ejaculate? Because some people can access an orgasm without ejaculating. Right. At least they say it. You know, it's one of those things for me until I squirted for the first time, I was like, I don't do that. Mm. Like I tried people have tried. I just don't do that. That's like this unicorn thing. Mm. I'm not, I'm not a squirter. Some women are, I am not, I don't get it. And then someone who knew exactly how to have that happen. Like who's just, that was this thing I was in a relationship with. And I was like, Oh, I am. that. Oh, did I not know I could do that? And so I do believe the ones that say that they can have an orgasm without ejaculating since I had that experience with squirting anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's like his, his piece on that is he then will need something to do right after that. With, cause he's got that energy circulating. Yes. So he needs, he, he needs, needs yeah, to yeah, go. Yeah. He's got to go. He's got to go yep. do pushups or which I don't know if you, um, keep up. I think it was John and Missy butcher, but John, John and Missy have like a whole protocol that they do. And he goes and works out because yeah, he said like his workouts are 10% better after, after, you know, like circulating the energy. So he'll go write or do some creative thing. He'll just go do it. And I'm like in bliss and I'm like much softer. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck what happens today. 
<laughs> which is a great state for me to be in because right. the alternative is I'm hyper-masculine and I'm making all these decisions and I'm got back-to-back meetings and I'm trying to juggle all this shit and then I can't rest. It's mm-hmm. real hard for me to transition from a state of that to a state of rest and, oh, how was your day? I'm so soft. I want to love you. I'm just like, get in line. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, there's that last <laughs> thing really cool. I want, I, because I said it earlier and I would feel incomplete if I didn't swing back around to it. Just the conversations you said you had conversation with your friend that is a porn star. You've had so many conversations for your show. And then I mentioned, I was going to say red room of pain. That is not it. That's not Wild it. power, the red, red, the red school, the red school. I was like red tent. Why? words, carbs, just fuck my words. Yeah, really? Wow. (laughs) So anyway, um, I'll just broaden the question a little bit then and say, out of all the conversations that you have now given yourself permission to be a part of and to host and bring to people all over the world, like, what would you say are some things that have really stuck out with you over the last three, four years? Sure. And since this is like, since your audience is most interested in like how to have epic sex in their lives, um, some of our most powerful interviews, conversations on the Great Man Within podcast. So this is, this is interesting. The second and third most downloaded episodes that we have are our interviews with Lisa Ann backstage with the top 10 porn stars. Mm-hmm. So she's like, she talks to, to you, like to men about all of the stuff that the porn industry doesn't want you to know, but how they're manipulating you, how it's like owned by one big amoebus group called MindGeek. It's a monopoly. That's ha- like all the stuff that like every man should know. So those are our second and third most downloaded episodes. But we run a podcast for men and the number one most downloaded episode, which continues to like put a big smile on my face today, is the episode we did with the Red School called A Man's Guide to the Menstrual Cycle. And I remember last year when I had this like idea like, I think we should do this. I brought it to Brian. He was, he was down with it. We just thought it was like an experiment that maybe if you guys would listen to the episode, it is by far, Alex, I'm talking about like by far number one most downloaded episode because it gives men like this very approachable entry point with two brilliant, beautiful and compassionate women, Alexandra and Shawnee, who, who walk us through the four seasons of the menstrual cycle and talk about like, here's what she may be experiencing during the cycle. Here's what she may need from you as a man during that. And here's how to express what you need during, you know, those cycles. So that, that thing like caught fire. And we even had a, a, an Academy Award winning British documentarian who's like his girlfriend made him listen to the episode, reach out to us and say, this has inspired me to do like a short documentary on men understanding the cycle. So he, he requested the audio. So that may be coming out in the next few months or so. That's amazing. I think those two were like really two of the most powerful conversations around, um, around sex that surprises. Your episode is doing really well on our show as well. I forget the exact title of it, but it came out during the COVID era. I think it was like, I think it was COVID, like how to, how to cultivate <laughs> sex during the COVID era. Um, yeah, so I would encourage anyone who's interested to go over to the Great Man Within podcast we have a lot of like how-to guides for men on like porn, how to ask for what you want in bed, intro guides to masculine and feminine polarities. Like we are kind of the, the place for the man who's just starting his journey. You know, like the guy who really, like if, if you want a, a safe entry point for a guy who doesn't, you know, is not on the woo-woo or not on that like way out edge, 
we're, we're like your, your, your good bet for that. Hmm. I love it. <sighs> Range. That's like a word for me since I moved to Austin is like, how can I showcase more of my range? Mm. Like as a woman, as a friend, as a partner, all these different things. And this conversation had range. Thank you, Dom Q. <laughs> I also love that your name is Dominic and you go by Dom. That sends a little like whew, up my spine every time. I'm is like, it? well, because oh, Dom. Dom. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 yeah. Right. I'm sorry. It doesn't necessarily. I mean, it has all to do with you, Dom. It has, yeah, but it's, it's, it's the other, it's the other Dom. I get it. <laughs> it's the idea of Dom. Yes. Yes. I get it. As you like make your voice all breathy. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but have you read that book? I am, I am a dominant. No, I've not. I didn't even know that you, you've turned me on to some really good books like the erotic mind and uh, ethical slut and a few others, but I haven't heard of that one. Give that one a listen. I built Ikea furniture in my office for like six hours one day when Jordan was out of town and I listened to the entire audiobook. It is real stories being recounted by uh, a dominant man in somewhere in the UK and he's got this lovely little accent and Ooh. it's cool. He's just telling the story about how he had his first experience coming into that um, kind of life. And I really love when they're told from that perspective, because you can really, if you've learned anything about Tantra, you can really see the, the crossover nice. with presence nice. and awareness. And like, I'm, I'm meeting, I'm meeting people where they're at. They're ready to go on a journey. I'm ready to lead them in this journey. It's less about power over anyone and more about let's go places. And yeah. Anyway. So I'm like, what else can I incept you with? <laughs> you want you you choose your own adventure, and here's here's your platter. So you just let me know when you're ready for you know whatever the next level to unlock. <laughs> I don't need to let you know. You just force feed it to me. It's working the past. Great, okay? <laughs> great, Dom. Thank you so much for being on that sex podcast. You're an MVP. You've been around since the very very beginning. I love OG. you for it. OG, yes, you are most valuable, and you're an original gangster. Love you too, Alexa Martinez. Violet Butterfly, the kaleidoscope anal aficionado, green team, and that sex chick. Look, you did it like flawless straight through that time. <laughs> Perfect ending. Thanks again, Dom. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week. <laughs>